Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's you ready to lock it in? Yeah, we can let's do lock it. it. Let's lock <laughs> it in. Hello and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. It's two friends, three topics, unlimited pop culture. Oh, I've already messed it up, right? It's going to be a good one. Yeah, (laughs) let's keep going. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm your host, Alyn. And on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the following big three. We've got uh, Promising Young Women, which has been nominated for I don't even know how many awards, and it's won a bunch already we're gonna talk about that too and then for the rest of our big three we're actually going to do a kind of baking special that's going to focus on season five of everybody's favorite baking show nailed it and then also a new baking show on hbo called baketopia so um as a reminder for our podcast as always there will be spoilers that we will likely discuss about these things we're going to try and keep it pretty light on promising young women because That one is real spoiler heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, as another side note, please remember that we are not entertainment professionals or recording industry professionals or professionals of any kind. So it is very likely that we can and will and have already make mistakes. So how you doing, Alin? I'm good. How are you doing? Hanging in there. We're getting there. It's happening. Vaccine one has happened. (laughs) Yay! I get my first one next week, so... It's happening. It's happening. Yep. I, I had say, to take a Valium just to get in the store, but I made it. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm like, finally, the um, the peasants at the back of the line. We're moving oh, forward slowly. Oh. It's been so long. My it's, dad has his vaccine like three months ago. <laughs> it's so true. And it's a oh. real thing that you get envious of people posting. <laughs> I know. But, he like went to the spa. My dad. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm vaccinated. I'm going to get a massage." And I'm like, "Okay." And so the funniest thing, and uh, if if she's listening, uh, Vicky, who we went to high school with, told me a hilarious story that her grandmother, who's not great with computers, literally walked into a CVS and was like, "Hello." can I have a vaccine? And they were like, sure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, so it's sometimes, it's, and you know, if we went and did that, it would be a completely be like, different story. Yeah. It would, we would be shown the door like but, real fast. So yeah, it's a uh, social Darwinism out there. Survival of the fittest. Wow. Or sometimes survival of the cutest grandmothers. Vocabulary term, social Darwinism. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. We are sponsored today by Social Darwinism, (laughs) the letter A and the number four. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, good times. Okay, so let's get into our little three for today. We've got some good ones. Um, So the first thing I wanted to talk about is something that is just, I don't know, super weird. But um, I want to talk about Nintendo Land (gasps) opening in Universal Studios Japan. I um, saw that. Oh my god, this is the coolest thing of all time, Alin. I just want to talk about some of the things that are so cool about this. First of all, if you haven't seen the pictures, go look at the pictures because this place is beautiful. And um 
okay, part of this is probably just going to be because Japan. And I'm going <laughs> to say this because I have actually been to Japan twice. Can I even say that out loud without hating me? I know. I'm a little bit like, oh, excuse me. Yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> um, and I've been to Tokyo Disney, and it is unbelievably ble- just clean and beautiful and the most it what are you the- trying to say about I- the disney's in america well <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit it they're there nice. for, for for fear of repercussions <laughs> from the walt disney corporation they're very nice um but there's there's something about the one in japan man i don't know the toilets even play music it's pretty cool um so and they have they have bidets which i feel like should become a thing over here but never has caught on seriously if I knew anything about plumbing, I would put a bidet in this house, like, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> because they're unbelievable. And, like, the bidets in Japan are heated, and the toilet Ooh. seats are also heated. It's the little things. Yeah, um, exactly. It's like, you know, what's going to get me through this my day? This bidet. This is great. The day gets ru- you through the day. <laughs> bidet gets you through the day. You have a rough meeting coming up at work? Hey. I just got the title of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I'm putting it. <laughs> but speaking of traveling, like we're, everyone's kind of getting a little stir crazy and looking for fun. And I looked at the pictures. Um, it yeah. looks amazing. It looks like so much fun. I want to be able to go down one of the green pipes, you know, and be like, yeah. Doo, 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 yeah. Doo, yeah, like you down through one to get in. Ooh. Um, and and the there's not a lot of rides in it yet right now. But the, the, what they do have is a. An AR Mario Kart ride. (gasps) I know. Where you wear the goggles and you get to like shoot shells at other players. And I know. And Um, half the fun, and we both experience this, is watching the other person do, you know, the virtual reality, you know, (laughs) watching with the goggles what they're doing. Although you're actually in a car too. So you're like, oh. in, yeah, you're in the car and then the, and it's augmented reality, not virtual. So you're, you're actually moving, but the goggles like have this enhanced experience to it, you know? It's I will still cool. try it. Yeah, I would oh, try yeah. it. I'm would, a little, I'm a little skeptical of it, it right cool. now. It would be like, have you, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do this again, aren't I? Have you been to Harry Potter world? Yes. Yes. So do you know how like they had some rides where you went on, but you wore go- glasses at the same time? That That's you were on? right. Yeah, it's like that kind of a thing. Okay. Okay. So here's the other question. Since you've been to the Harry Potter one, did you do the wand? Did you do that thing where you no. get the wand? Okay. So a lot of people don't even know about this. I didn't know about it. I know, I know the store where there's yes, a million okay. wands for purchase and I feel bad for parents spending $40 a wand for their three kids. Um, oh. There's a there's an additional sort of experience where you can actually rent a wand instead of buy one. And the rental one is connected to the park in such a way that there are certain places where if you wave the wand, things will happen. Oh, so like there's like fountains, for example, and you wave the wand and it would make the fountain go. And you're you're supposed to be like little wizard. You can make things move and activate and stuff with the wand. Now, how did you find out about this? Um, I was in the, I was, uh, every, I have to say, every, everything that I've ever done was for a field trip from work because. <laughs> it, still, it still counts as a trip. It's a yeah. trip. So I was in Universal um, with as a, as a school field trip. 
Uh, and they, I was in, and of course the kids don't want to hang out with me. They're, they're no. gone. So <laughs> I'm by myself wandering around Universal and I figure everything out. So, um, but yeah, I was in the Harry Potter area for a while. Um, but here's what I was going to say is that whole idea with the wand, right? They've taken that because it's still universal, right? So they've taken that and they've upped it to the next level. And then the Nintendo land thing where they, you can get this sort of watch bracelet thing. And of course they call it a power up band, mm-hmm. but it costs $30 to rent it. So obviously this is $30 on top of anything you've already spent to get in the park, mm-hmm. but it allows you to be more interactive in the park if you're wearing this bracelet. So for example, you can like punch blocks and stuff Oh. and there's like interactive things you can do. And what it does is everything that you interact with will award you coins and the bracelet has like an app function that you can download on your phone and then it will keep track of your score and you can compete with other people in the park on that day as to who gets the most coins that's really cool right isn't that cool so I'm kind of like man I want to do this but I do have some really good news we are getting one (gasps) that was gonna be my next question we are getting one and um i want to say that we're getting one in both florida and california but i can't confirm that right now but we're getting at least one um super nintendo land at one of our universals it's happening i think it's (sighs) all right so yeah we'll keep our head on a swivel for that because that is something we will do oh yeah it's so cool like i said go look at the pictures because they are just they're just so neat. And like all the little details that are in there, you know, everything is sort of um, exaggerated to look like old school video game graphics. And, you know, I don't know. It's all the little touches, you know. And I mean, I remember when Super Mario Brothers 3 came out, like that was so huge. He got to be a raccoon. We're old. And- yeah, no, I mean, but it like that's all you played. There weren't a lot of options for oh, video yeah. games. Hey, yeah, when something new came out, it was pretty, and it, it and if it was a high profile thing, mm-hmm. you know, it was a pretty big deal because you would get a couple of games a year, and that was pretty much all you could afford. Exactly, and then if you were lucky, Blockbuster would oh, sometimes yeah. have it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, funny. I, I know we're like, I'm just dating ourselves but it is it's it's true like all of the Super Mario Brothers were so popular and continue to be with people in our age group because we grew up with them we had no choice <laughs> they were the only video game in town really yeah that was like that yeah it's true all right well yeah definitely check that out if you haven't um okay so the next thing that we're gonna talk about for our little three entertainment news is um the amazon lord of the rings series that they are working on now first of all i kind of just want to say nobody really asked for this like Mm. when it was first announced i was like no, I eh, no, I, I don't think I want this, right? Because I love Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings a lot. I made Alin watch the extended editions. <laughs> I did, I did. And she told me like when I could stop, what yeah. would be a good time to stop because yeah. I'm just incapable of sitting for 
you know, the first, I think the first movie was like three hours. I'm like, this isn't bad. And then it just gradually became longer and longer. And I'm like, the I can't last sit. It was like four and a half hours. I mean, yeah. it's great. But anyway, um, and I complained about the Justice League, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, I can't sit through that, yeah, but I'll sit, sit through this. That. Let's go watch Lord of the Rings. Okay. So, <laughs> but, you know, this that was my first thought. And then, you know who actually convinced me that maybe I might want this was Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Uh, well, and he's a huge, huge I, fan. Like, I can, I, I would love the day of like me and Stephen Colbert in the same room, just nerding out over the, over Lord of the Rings. I mean, this would be, it would be fantastic. But, um, he kind of talked about some of the things that they could do in this show that would make it really interesting, like, without getting into like too much of the nerdy details, but to basically make it a prequel. And talk about how the rings were forged or mm. um, to talk about the place where Aragorn was originally from and, you know, those those people and their culture and and, um, you know, like uh, Sauron and when he was still alive, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, right. To go backwards quite a ways and show how Middle Earth kind of became what it was when the Lord of the Rings happened. And you know, he was the one who was like, if they did that, it would be amazing. Like, cause they have so much history and, and war stories and creation stories. And how did this person get to be a bad guy? And you know what I mean? Like they could do that stuff. And I think it would, it would actually be really cool. But here's the thing to make this season, the first season of this show, they have spent almost $500 million dollars. That now, is a lot, a lot of money. That's more than like the GDP of some countries. Oh my God. And to put it in different, in a different, like, I know you go all professional. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> to put it in perspective, Game of Thrones cost about $50 million per season, you know? <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm look, I looked it up just out of my own curiosity because, you know, obviously the, the Lord of the Rings, um, the trilogy came out, well, the first one was in 2001 and its budget was $93 million. Um, I haven't adjusted it for inflation. Um, was that for all three? No, for one. So about each one was about 93 to $94 okay. million dollars okay. to make. So all three combined, you're still at roughly, you know, say three to 400 million, not 460 something is what this show is at. And I, I, I sent it to, I sent the article to you because my response is prime better not go up. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, it's funny, too, because Amazon is one of those weird things where I know plenty of people who have Amazon Prime and don't watch anything on right. the Amazon Prime viewing platform, whatever you want to call it. And and I think that that Amazon doesn't understand this, that there are people who use Amazon Prime for the shipping Shipping and only, yes. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. And Amazon thinks they're giving you this great deal by throwing in your, you know, movies and TV and whatever you get from Twitch and all that stuff. They think that they're giving this nice bundle. I don't think they realize that most people just don't care. No, uh, and I, I, and I and mean, with all this, sorry, with all now. the streaming services, I would say that I do watch shows on on Prime. But they're the shows that, like, everyone knows about, like, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I watched a Jack Ryan. Um, the Expanse. Yeah, The Expanse. So it's things that 
if I didn't get to watch them, I wouldn't be upset. But because I have Prime, I figure yeah. I might as well. And I yeah, only I, go in there for television that I know that exists. Whereas in with right. Netflix, I'll just be like, what can I watch and scroll through it? Yes. Just kind of like cruising around trying to find things. And I think the interesting thing to ask yourself is if you didn't have access to Amazon Prime TV and movies, whatever, and say they say they split it, right? And they had Amazon Prime website be one subscription and then Amazon TV be a separate subscription. Which one would you subscribe to and would you do both? You know, if you could have a cheaper uh, sub and just get regular old Amazon Prime, would you opt for that? And I know a lot of people would if it cut off the TV part. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I think that they don't realize that this is not necessarily a selling point for a lot of people. And if they want this show or other shows that they're putting out to start pushing Amazon TV and whatever, then okay, that's fine. But you can't raise the price of the sub because of that. You know what I right. mean? So, yeah. And and the other thing, going back to the Lord of the Rings, because I'm just, um, you know me, I'm a big Stephen King fan. And with Lord of the Rings, to me, not knowing anything, not having read the books, I thought the movies were perfect as they are. Oh, yeah. But then, but then you have some series like a lot of Stephen King series specifically the dark tower oh god the movie was horrible horrible yeah. and he's been talking mm. for years and years and years trying to get hbo trying to get amazon prime to pick it up mm-hmm. as a series so he can show his vision on the screen right so that's when that's what i normally think of when they're going to take a, a movie to a tv series and that's why I, I like the points that you made uh, when Stephen Colbert made about things that it could do because you mm-hmm. don't want to you don't want to undermine the films in any way. Yeah, I think you've got too rabid of a fan base, you know, as of right now, I, if it was if it was trying to do that, like if it was trying to remake some of the the, the movies or trying to redo them, I think I'd kind of be out a little mm-hmm. bit. You know what I mean? I, I don't know that I would be. Eh. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Stephen King's a good one because his stuff gets messed up a lot. It really does. The books are so good. Sometimes he, he, you know, he flops a little bit on the ending. No offense. I don't write books, but sometimes when I read his book, I'm like, ooh, he had a great idea, but the execution of it, a little shaky at the end. Um, <laughs> well, it, sometimes I'm like, oh, um, and you watch The Outsider on HBO, right? Yeah. Yeah. I watched The Outsider. I had not read the book. So, I mean, the premise of the television series and the book that it's based on is really interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. He didn't know what to do with it towards the end. It was sort of like, well, let's make it like a chupacabra. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what's a myth we can just pull up? Uh, Exactly. Yeah. So that's 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 like the fault that I have. I mean, the man has an amazing imaginative brain i don't know how he writes as as often as he does but you know i don't think i think there's like one or two movies that of his that have been adapted that he's actually said that was a good one that he's actually approved of a whole one or two yeah out of all of the ones that were uh created and i want to say they were older ones i'm thinking it might have been carrie might have been pet cemetery maybe pet cemetery maybe cujo it's one of those like That he approved of those. Mm-hmm. Huh. So. Yeah, Carrie was was good. I, I would I would understand that one. 
No, it was good. I mean, it was, you know, everyone knows Carrie. Yeah. You know, so. Hopefully not the remake. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't even I'm watch sorry. that. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's bubbling up. Oh. <laughs> well, let's oh. talk about some award-winning films so I can repress this memory of the care. I think there was a Carrie 2 after that. I don't. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. That was a good segue. But let's yeah. talk about the BAFTA Awards. Um, So, yeah, this is definitely not my wheelhouse because awards always I don't know. I always feel like the wrong things win awards and I don't understand half the time why something wins. I think the last time I was really interested in the Oscars was when The Return of the King was nominated for everything. And then it won everything and I was super excited and I was like, okay, I never have to watch the Oscars again. I have had my Oscars. I'm done. But <laughs> but well, awards also things, also you know? when um also when Black Panther was nominated, oh, you were interested. Cool. Yes, I did get back in for that. Yep. Yeah, I was happy. And, and I think um, I think most of the time, these movies aren't something that you would go see, with the exception of something like Black Panther. I mean, there are there are always yeah. exceptions that are big, multi-budget movies, like yeah. make hundreds of millions and billions of dollars worldwide. But I remember reading a million years ago that like the average gross of an award-winning film is like 20 million. And this is the thing is like, I always feel like there is such a big disconnect between the films that people love and the films that win awards. Mm -hmm. And I, I, there's always that part of me that wishes or wonders why we as an audience are so wrong. Like why do the films we love not win awards? And it just makes me feel almost like emotional and I just want to get defensive about it. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I want to jump to the defense of some of the movies that I really love that don't win awards because I just don't understand that giant disconnect sometimes. Um, so I do like it when there are movies that sort of cross that gap a little bit for me because, you know, I'm going to be honest, like when I look at, you know, we can get into these these winners now, but when I'm looking at um, the award-winning films or even the films that were, that were nominated, uh, the only one that I have ever even heard of is Promising Young Women, and that's mostly because I drew a Promising Young Bear this morning. So. <laughs> and you've heard you've heard of Soul too, right, the Pixar the anime, movie. Yes, I haven't seen it yet. I, I just, haven't either. I keep waiting for a time when I feel like I I'm okay with crying because I feel like that one is gonna be some crying. And I, hey, I Pixar movies are so heavy. I'm like, how do kids watch Inside Out? That's a really heavy movie about mental illness I and mental health. When me and, and my husband watched Up for the first time, we literally had to stop it. Mm -hmm. Like after that first 10 minutes where they did the whole life cycle of that couple and then she passed away. And I was like, OK, I'm out. Like, yeah, it's, it's not it's not a whimsical tale about a man who takes off in balloons. It, I mean, it starts off really heavy. And I remember I saw it in the movies and I was I might have said out loud because it was like a 930 showing. So, you know, kids shouldn't have been there. I was like, what is this movie and who picked this out? Right. <laughs> Who is the audience for this? <laughs> I know. I was just, I'm like, no, no, no. I want to see like, you know, the the dog going squirrel, you know, yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, okay. So anyway, let's talk about some of the some of these the, these these award winners here. And I know that you have seen um, a lot of these films. There are a few that I have heard of. Um, I do know Nomadland. That was actually filmed re- really close to where I live. Yes, it really. It, I mean, you know, and going back, I wanted to talk about the disconnect. I mean, there are a lot of even people within. Hollywood, like I know them, um, but you know, in in reading th- things sure, on the different, them. yeah, in, in sure. reading different articles, um, that they say that there is a real disconnect between what the audience wants and that the filmmakers, and even if it's like the Hollywood Foreign Press that does the Golden Globes, they're not picking movie movies or television that people see. They're right. picking things that they want people to watch and satisfies their agenda. And I know this is probably going to sound stupid to some people, but like, you know, when I'm watching stuff and I'm like thinking about some of the things that I saw this year and I think about like, say, Watchmen, right? Or mm-hmm. um, what was the other one? Um, uh, uh, Lovecraft Country, right? Yes. So, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, these were two like of the most amazing shows I have ever seen in my life. You know, um, especially Watchmen was just absolutely unbelievably good. And see, that that connects to our whole film television thing because that movie yeah. was a disaster. But the television oh. series absolutely I'm knocked gonna, it out of the know, part. I didn't hate that movie. I oh, actually really liked the opening oh, sequence. Okay. You know, rewatch rewatch the first five minutes of Watchmen where they do that montage. Um, that's one of the best montages I've ever seen in my life. I'll consider, I'll consider it. Just watch the, rewatch the first five minutes and tell me that's not an amazing montage. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, like the, the, to me, if I were giving out these awards, I I know exactly where they would go. You know, I would go Watchmen and I would go Lovecraft Country. And then I would go probably WandaVision because I cried my eyes out at the Mm -hmm. end of WandaVision. And, and then everybody's laughing at me like, ha ha, you simpleton. (laughs) No, and I, 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 (laughs) like, why not? (laughs) And I think you're right. I mean, sometimes I know like many years ago when Modern Family was just like this juggernaut that kept winning the Emmys. And after it won like the fifth year in a row, it's like, is there anything else on television? This yeah. cannot be the best thing um, on television. And it's a lot like something will just get deemed as good and mm-hmm. then it wins until it's canceled or it or it stops. And right. And 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 it comes to a point where it was like even like you know even though Game of Thrones is sort of way more in my wheelhouse and that did win a lot of awards I don't think that should have won a single darned thing for its final season but right. it almost got like nominated I think because everybody just assumed that it should I I, I, I kept no and that happens. Did, did you even watch it Did you watch this because it was crud You know Yeah and they and you can always count on them to nominate the last season now as a counterpoint to that Shit's yes. creek oh racked up all of the awards I, i've seen this <gasps> you did watch it yeah i did and i i cried my eyes out at the last like two or three episodes but um mm-hmm. but but yeah yeah no i i really really enjoyed the end of Shit's Creek, and that should have won all the awards. And it, and and it should have. It took yeah. people a long totally time. Okay with that. Okay, yeah, and that's what I was saying. Like, you know, sometimes it takes people too long to discover yeah. television. Yeah. So, and 
going over like the the list of the um, BAFTA awards, it kind of seems like this award season, like many before, it is sort of locked in already. There's not a huge yeah. number of surprises. Yeah. Um, Nomadland has just been winning best film at every single award show. And yeah. so has Chloe Zhao. She's been winning best director for her direction of Nomadland mm-hmm. at every single award ceremony. Mm-hmm. So, and the only thing that's really been kind of trading off is the lead actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins won for uh, leading actor in his film, The Father, which I haven't watched. It's something that I'm not sure I want to watch. It's about a um, elderly man slowly spiraling into dementia. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. Not a hundred percent sure I want to watch that, but I'm gonna stick to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. If that's okay with everyone. Yeah. But I mean, Chadwick Boseman has won about ninety-five percent of the awards for his role in uh, Ma Rainey's I, Black I Bottom. Mean, I love that. Don't get me wrong. I just wish he could have done it while he was alive to I appreciate know. it. I mean that. There's something bothersome about that when you can only tell, you can only give someone awards after they've died. I. Because it happened he with Heath. was so deserving, you know? I mean, and it happened have... with Heath Ledger. Yes. Yeah, I don't like that. It's... It just makes me sad. And I feel I feel for his wife, who is yeah. grieving for her husband. And she has and to keep ha- reliving this. Yes, like, and she yeah. has to go on every single award show and try to put on a brave face and accept the award mm-hmm. on his behalf. And it's like, how do you do that? I don't know. That level of strength in that whole family between him and her and him going through this disease and not telling anyone like everyone at Marvel coming out and saying we had no idea like I mean just you know I cannot I can't fathom any of it I know and it, it was just such a loss because when I saw the news come through my immediate thought was was he in a car accident was yes. there some sort of calamity? Right. And it's like, no, he... And if you watch him in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I did, he's thinner than he would be, but that's because we're so used to seeing him as T'Challa, as the Black Panther. Right, and I swear, they put those men through some kind of process. I don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing over there at Marvel, but there is a sort of 20-pound gain that yes. happens on all of them. And then for Hemsworth, it's like a 40-pound gain, but like... It's, and, it's, then, and Hemsworth's <laughs> like, I like this. I'm going to keep this. And he's like, <laughs> right. Exactly, right? I'm like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, even Paul Rudd like went through the Marvel diet. Yes. And, and was like, whoa, Paul Rudd. Hello. And they have the obligatory shirtless scenes because it's <laughs> like, I have to <laughs> have to memorialize this so one day I can show my kids. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what that's what that's what Damien says all the time. He says all of the the Marvel heroes who are shirtless are specifically for the wives and girlfriends who go to Marvel movies with their boyfriends and husbands. And maybe they don't want to, you know, maybe some of them <laughs> are just there to support their husbands and boyfriends. And so the Marvel will throw them this bone of the shirtless heroes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, I'm awake. What's the next yeah. scene? What's happening? Things are happening. But if you watch Chadwick Boseman in, um, it's on it's on Netflix. It's uh, The Five Bloods by mm-hmm. Spike Lee. He is almost skeletal 
and that. And I chalked it up and not know, like, I know now why he was skeletal. But if you had no idea, it takes place during the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And so he had, you could think, oh, they're not eating enough. Right. They have the lean look because they were hiding in the jungles from the Viet Cong. So it's not like they have, they have a couple of ready to eat meals. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, just watching, I obviously he was nominated a few times as supporting actor for that. Um, But to see him do, he almost does like a soliloquy and it's a good life, English teacher term. Yeah, thank you. Uh, on life and death. Mm. And Oof. yeah, oh, it's just, you get man. chills. You get chills watching it. Um, because you know that he knew at that time. Yeah. Oh, God. But, you know. This is pro- brutal. That's yeah. Brutal. And you're just thinking that his interpretation of the character is that he would be lean and look hungry. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that at all. Um, right. Oof. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I honestly don't think, I know the Oscars are a little later this year. They're uh, April 25th, probably going to be that same sort of uh, Zoom hybrid that they've been doing. Right. But, I mean. Which I'm, is fine. Yeah, it's know. fine. They should, Whatever. but I mean, I don't think there's going to be any surprises. Um, I would wear my prom gown for the Oscar Zoom if I were invited, you know. <laughs> I, I kind of like the people that show up like in sweatshirts. Oh, like really? Yeah. Um, I like the people who show up with dogs. <laughs> they're just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, Jason I would have Sudeikis. bear on my lap. The whole yeah, time. you'd be like, hello, this is hello. me and my cat here for my award. You're like, yes, we will allow bear to say a few things. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be him staring at the yeah. screen. Yeah, but... he stares about as much as Bucky. <laughs> but yeah, like Jason Sudeikis, I don't know... Um, I know you're kind of anti-Apple, but Apple, of course, has its own streaming service. And the only reason I have it is I got it for free uh, for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And there's a great television show that Jason Sudeikis is in. It's called Ted Lasso. Great, great show. Very funny. He's an American football coach who goes to teach actual football in Europe. He's going to coach it. And it's, it's the first just, time I've ever heard of this. Yeah, it's um, but he's been winning all the like he swept all of the awards for huh. best actor um, in a limited series. Cause I don't think it was against Schitt's Creek. Okay. I could be wrong, uh-huh. but he had been winning all of it. And he had just been showing up in sweatshirts from home. Huh? And I was just like, I can respect that. Like, why yeah, am sure. I going to get dressed up? I don't know if I'm going to win. Yeah. Why not? What's the point? Yeah. What's the point thing, of most things these days? You know, it's, it's true. Hmm. I was so, going to say um, one thing that I'm willing to bet on I'm going to do another transition is that I'm going to bet that promising young woman wins original screenplay. Okay. All right. We'll put you down. Yeah. Down. I live, I live in Nevada, so I could probably make some kind of bet. You should. (laughs) I wonder if they have, I wonder if I go to the local casino, if there's like an Oscar pick, you know, they bet on everything though. I'm sure there's, Um, yeah, so that's uh, it's a good segue, too. We'll move into our big three, the first of which is Promising Young Women. And um, this is one that is 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 not in my wheelhouse. Again, we're sort of we're not in my wheelhouse right now. I'll come back in for baking. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, sometimes what I will do 
if I know that I'm not going to re uh, see a movie, but it, there's a lot of buzz about this movie, I'll just read the synopsis because I know I'm not going to watch it. And so I did that for this uh, movie is I read the synopsis of what actually happens because I, you know, I was just hearing and seeing so much about it. And then we had the um, Vanity Fair scandal and I was sort of curious what is all going on here. And um, so I know what this movie is about and I will admit it's not Vanity Fair. Sorry. It was variety. Wasn't it? Um, Same difference. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Although I really like Vanity Fair. I, I want to talk about them on one of our episodes. Someday oh, because... oh yes. Cause we're going to, okay. I remember why <laughs> yeah, they do these cool videos that I want to bring up. But anyway, so not Vanity Fair. We love them. Variety <laughs> um, had this sort of scandal. And I was, I was interested in the scandal more than the movie weirdly because the scandal was sort of more in my my line of work, if you will. You know, mm. it was about communication. And um, so I read the synopsis of this movie, and I will say that the synopsis was shocking. Um, yes. <laughs> just reading the plot of this movie is I was sort of like, they made a movie of, of, of this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... So go ahead, Alin. What were your thoughts on this thing? So I'm just going to I'm going to do some intro stuff um, just because I didn't know how to describe this movie. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I mean, it doesn't fit into a pre-assigned genre as far as I could tell. No, no. And so I uh, swiped this from IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. It says a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out revenge against those who cross her path. And that's a nice way of saying what happens in the movie. Um, yeah, that was really pleasant and and sort of diluted. It, it, so, I mean, it is a, I mean, I guess you could say it, it, there's a trigger warning for anyone. Oh, a big you know, one. It's yeah. a huge trigger warning. Um, although it does not ever say these words in the film, which I also learned from IMDb, um, you know, it is about rape and it is about sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the, the interesting thing about it and going back to Nomadland, um, so the director of Promising Young Woman is Emerald Fennel, and you might not know her cause I know you don't watch this, but she plays Camilla Parker Bowles on the crown. Okay. So she's, um, she disappeared in the, in the latest season. Um, and this and is her, this is the first thing she's ever directed. Yes. It's her feature film debut. That is so heavy. Like, wouldn't you want to start with like a commercial, like, I like know. a Ritz cracker commercial or something like that? something, something happy, <laughs> something light. Um, and actually it, this was also on IMDb. The, the idea for the movie came to her and this is, um, I'm not going to say glamorized, but it is shown on the screen in the first 10 minutes of the movie where there's if you were drunk and then you were telling someone, what are you doing as they're pulling down your underwear? And then you sit up soberly and say, what are you doing? That's that's the entire movie. Mm. So. um so this comes specifically from her brain. And this is why I think she's going to win best original screenplay because mm -hmm. Nomadland is just running away with it for film of the year. 
Chloe Zhao is running away with it for director of the year. And this is Nomadland is Chloe Zhao's first film ever. This is crazy. Yeah. So it's the first time that two women have ever been nominated for best director and they're neck and neck with each other. So I think. I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, when you give women a chance, look at what they can do. They just go nuts. You know, they they take off. They and. And they're just so, they're two different movies. Yeah. And I enjoyed both of them. You have to get into the certain mindset. Um, this is a mindset I'm, I'm not in, Alin. I'm gonna, no, this I'm is, <laughs> I know this is not a, this is not a Jamie mindset. This is, Oof. this is my mindset where I'm going to watch all of the Oscar nominated uh, films. And mm-hmm. this one particularly looked interesting to me. Um, because of the trailer and the opening of the movie mimics the trailer in that Carrie Mulligan, it opens up in a club. Carrie Mulligan's leaning against a couch in a club. She is lolling her head from side to side. She can't sit up. She can barely stand. She is obviously intoxicated. So you have these group of guys who are standing at the bar and they're like, whoa, you know, she and I I wrote down the quotes because these are things that you hear a lot in discussions about, you know, he said, she said in in rape cases, um, you know, that by her sitting there, she's asking for it. Mm. Uh, Her friends left her around for anyone to pick up. Mm -hmm. You think she would know better at this age. Oof. So the whole premise of the film is um, Adam Brody. I'm not sure if you remember him. He was on the OC. Oh, he made soap opera. Like he was okay. he was nerdy Seth Cohen. He was like he was super into Star Wars and comic books. Yeah. He goes over to her and he's like, do you need a ride home? Can I help you? Let me try to get you home safely. He mm-hmm. orders an Uber. They share an Uber. He, then he says to her, you're like, oh, it's a good thing she found this nice guy. He, sa- he says, why don't we go have a nightcap at my apartment? Her mm-hmm. head is leaning out the window. Mm-hmm. She's ready to vomit. And he tries to make a move mm-hmm. in her apartment. And uh, I wrote, guess who's only pretending to be drunk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, And then that's the first like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. And she goes and she repeats this behavior. She puts herself in, I hate to say this, like she puts herself in dangerous situations. Yeah. See, this is the thing that when I was reading the plot, you know, I was like, okay, I get what you're trying to do here to sort of like, you know, shame these people, teach them a lesson even. But when the ultimate reveal comes and you go, what are you doing? I'm not drunk. And they mm-hmm. suddenly realize that they've been, you know, fooled. What we have at that moment is a very slender young woman next to these larger male figures. And it's not like she's got a gun. No. Or, or mace or, or, or ninja skills. Like, she, it's just her at that point. And I keep thinking, so you've just lifted the veil now what? Why aren't you afraid of what happens next? Do you know what I mean? And they don't show what happens at, with, mm-hmm. with the exception 
of one scene and it actually has I don't know if you remember um from Superbad the kid who played McLovin <laughs> so McLovin's all grown up and you think of McLovin as this nice guy no oh no so I mean that's one <laughs> yeah I mean that's the whole thing is no one is a nice guy they just pretend to be nice guys and they tell themselves they're nice guys um but there there was one scene that I was like you know hand clapping um so Carrie Mulligan uh plays Cassie and she's walking home after one of her interludes, right? Like, so she's told the guy, like, what are you doing? She leaves, she's walking down the street and a bunch of construction workers start hooting and hollering at her. And they're like, whoa, walk a shame, woo, shake it. And she just stops and she turns and she stares at them, not one word. And they're all like, why are you looking at us? Don't look at us. What? No, get out of here. You're crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, she's reclaiming her power because she's really wondering why you're catcalling her when she's just walking down the street. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that is the the entire premise of the film. There's obviously something tragic that has happened and she is trying to seek revenge for that. So there are different, um, different chapters, you could say it almost reminded me of Kill Bill, where she has like her book of names that she's crossing off. uh, And she, you know, she has a book, Cassie has a book Mm -hmm. of people who were involved in this particular event. And it is a very, very dark movie. Mm hmm. Um, now let me ask you this: How did you feel about Mulligan as the lead in this? So, I have seen her in a handful of movies, so I'm not someone who's familiar with her entire body of work. Um, I know she's British. She's married to the guy from Mumford and Sons. Uh, oh, really? And they, yeah, they were adorable. On um, she hosted Saturday Night Live. And she's very funny. It, got, it gave her a chance to show off her her funny side. And they were very funny together. He kept trying to show up and ask if they needed a musical guest. And she's <laughs> like, no. He's like, are you sure? And then he pulls out a guitar. Like, he's like, are you sure? Um, but so it's, it's something that I didn't know much about her. Um, she did, to me, a, a great job in it in that, I mean, I think a lot of the time when you're dealing with, you know, sexual assault, there's sometimes blame on, sometimes always blame on the victim for how they're dressed in a particular way. And when she goes out to these clubs, she's in like a button down with a pencil skirt that goes to her knees and a jacket. So it's kind of like turning the idea that a woman's going out to a club to, to find someone on its head. But I, I really, really thought that she did a great job. And then as I was watching this movie, you you alerted me to a, a controversy yeah. that had happened. Yeah, I, I, I just find this so interesting because of how it was handled sort of back and forth. And and I'll tell you why. So the, the basic idea here is that there was a review that came out in Variety and not Vanity Fair. We love no, you. Vanity we love Fair. we love Vanity Fair. Make more reviews, Vanity Fair. Get more astronauts. <laughs> that guy was awesome. Anyway, 
If you haven't seen the Vanity Fair astronaut video, go watch it. It's the best. So um, this guy, um, let me get his full name here again, Dennis Harvey, um, wrote this review. And when Mulligan read the review, she interpreted it to mean that this guy thought that she was miscast um, in the movie and that she wasn't attractive enough to play the role successfully. And Hmm. this was Mulligan's interpretation. Now, Mulligan's interpretation was backed up by various other people um, who read the review and thought, interpreted the the same thing, including like Alison Brie. Um, There were a few other people whose names are escaping me, but like people came out and said, I read the review. I get what she's saying. Um, and, and that this actor, this writer seemed to, to suggest that Margot Robbie was meant to be in this role and right, probably should have been. Cause she's a producer. Right. Of the movie, which I, I didn't notice until I read that article. And, um, I want to read the part that was what set everybody off. I want to read it out loud because my point here as an English teacher is If you're a writer, you know, especially a critic, obviously you have the freedom to say and critique whatever you want. But whatever you're saying, other people then have the freedom to react to your words however they want. This is a two-way street, you know, here. Mm -hmm. Um, I often hear this from people who get, like, tattoos, is they'll say, I regret getting my tattoo because everybody comes up and has a comment about it. Well, that's part of getting a tattoo, right? Right, You know, you have the freedom to mark your body. Other people have the freedom to comment on it. It may be rude and you can tell them it's rude. You have that freedom too, right? But, um, you know, I I don't think that sometimes when people put creative items out there in the world, they understand that other people can then react to those creative items however they want. Now, this becomes especially important when you are writing and you are trying to make a fine point and you don't make that point clearly. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to make a point and somebody misinterprets your point, is it their fault for misinterpreting it or is it your fault for not writing it clearly? Do you know what I mean? Right. And I so, think, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying like it, the gist of what I I can read you the quote. Yeah, I was going to say, because reading, let's read the quote, because then I'll tell you kind of what I took it as when he said that. Yeah. So here's the quote. Uh, And I quote, (laughs) Mulligan, a fine actress, seems a bit of an odd choice as this admittedly many layered apparent femme fatale. Margot Robbie is a producer here, and one can perhaps too easily imagine the role might once have been intended for her. Whereas with this star, Cassie wears her pickup bait gear like bad drag. Even her long blonde hair seems a put on. So this is the quote, end quote. Um, and, and Mulligan's interpretation was that she was miscast. The role should have been played by Margot Robbie and that she didn't look, quote unquote, the part. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the author says her pickup bait gear is worn like bad drag, you know, um, and that even her long blonde hair seems a put on. So Mulligan interpreted this as a slight to her appearance, mm-hmm. you know, that th- th- this was saying something about her look in the movie 
and that her look was not appropriate or perhaps pretty enough or attractive enough to play the part that she is playing, which should have thus gone to Margot Robbie. Now, since I just read the quote, and I know you're going to say something, what do you feel about this quote and Mulligan's interpretation of it? I mean, I'm going to be a little bit more direct than Carrie Mulligan. He's basically saying she's not attractive enough to rape. Yeah, so, and, who, and who I would, don't think who she would, said that. She didn't I know, that's why, that's why, like, that's directly he is saying that she why would anyone want to rape her right she's not pretty enough and 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 you're you you're coming out with what other people were basically you're you're coming up with the interpretation that Mulligan right. didn't say but other people basically said this is what I'm interpreting those words to mean right now my issue with this is if I had written this review, right, and and somebody said this is how I'm interpreting your words, I'm gonna go back and reread those words and be like well, golly gee, I guess you can interpret that to mean that. You know what I mean? Because I don't think she's taking a very large interpretive leap here. Do you know what I mean? She's what she's interpreting, as far as I can see, is in those words. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. Am I way off base here? Because I think no. that's what he's saying. You know. And I mean, I think as a society, we're programmed to look at like Margot Robbie is a bombshell. She oh. played, she was in the movie bombshell. It's weird to think that we all have the same genetic makeup because look at her, like she's, you know, same thing with like, you know, Charlize Theron. Um, mm-hmm. There's just some people who are unbelievably attractive. Carrie Mulligan is an attractive person. And I'm bringing this back also to, um, you know, uh, who plays Captain Marvel? Brie Larson. Brie Larson. I knew one. <gasps> yeah, I was, I was like, I wanted to say Alison Brie because she's also in the movie. But like individuals like that, they're very, very attractive. Yeah. But they get held up to a standard where in Hollywood they're considered unattractive. Right. And then you look at us and oh boy. Yeah. I know. So it's kind <laughs> of like, oh. And I remember reading and not to, you know, keep on the Marvel kick, but people were saying that, you know, she wasn't pretty enough to be Captain Marvel. And you had it's so dumb. You had Scarlett Johansson, one of those other people that are on a different different level playing Black Widow. Mm-hmm. You add another female to the cast and it's like, well, she's not she's not as pretty as Scarlett Johansson. You know what? Ninety nine point nine percent of people aren't. Right. <laughs> I mean, Tony Stark is not as pretty as Thor, so. But but that's different for men. <laughs> right. Best best we replace that cast too. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a crud. It's a crud way that that it is. You know. And so he it, yeah and anyway. like 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 I I was just saying like he misses the impo- entire point of the movie because it's yeah. about how male misogyny rules the world, and for him to say something like that. It's, you know, it's like the movie went whoop right over his head. Right. And then I think what made it even worse was his reaction, you know, is um, because people were sort of saying, look, this is an, a movie about misogyny and you wrote a misogynist review, you know, and and he his response was, um, quote, I was appalled to be tarred as a misogynist and quote, I did not say or mean to imply that Mulligan is not hot enough for her role. Uh, quote, I am a 60-year-old gay man. I don't actually go around dwelling on the comparative hotness of young actresses, let alone writing about that. But then my point was, <laughs> what did you mean then? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like what? 
and, and he also says, I'm sorry she feels that way. I'm also sorry that's a conclusion she would jump to because it's quite a leap. It's really not. <sighs> it's not. It's and, not. And, and I mean, that's exactly like, just say you're sorry. Don't, you yeah, know, you try don't. to minimize the apology yeah. or try to make it seem like I hate, hate when people say, if I offended you. Well, you're obviously apologizing because you were offensive. Right, exactly. It would have been so different if he had just come out and said, oh my gosh, I absolutely didn't mean that. This is exactly what I meant. I'm so sorry that she was offended by that because that is not what I wanted to to say at all. This is what I wanted to say. And again, you know, I'm sorry. And if he had come out and done that, the whole thing would have gone away. You it's know what true. I mean? And instead, he he sort of tap danced around it. He put the blame on her, right, saying that she made a logical leap, which I don't think she did. And then she he tried to say, like, well, I'm gay, so I can't go around dwelling on the hotness of young actresses, which I think is sort of silly because everyone can dwell on the hotness of young actresses. It doesn't matter who you yeah, are. It doesn't matter at all. Anybody could think about that. You know, that's just a thing anyone I mean, could think about. You ask a guy, a man... The straight man, if he thinks that Chris Hemsworth is attractive, <laughs> yep. you know, they're going to say yes. They can yep. tell. You can sure. tell. You can tell. Of course. Right. That's a great, that's a great metaphor. I but, mean, and if you don't, we, you know, well, that's another conversation because I will I never speak to that person again. Exactly. Um, no, but I mean, that, that's the whole film. If you yeah. could, that, that, that article, her response to it is a perfect capsule of what, happens in the film because it's obviously and you see this through um the rape culture lens of this all and it's never the man's fault it's the woman's fault in some way and that men should be given the the benefit of the doubt and women should have to explain themselves um and, and that's pretty much the point of the whole movie right right and that's the and that's the whole movie and i mean just you know, when I was watching this movie, it made me think like last month, I don't know if you heard um, about a woman in London walking home and she was murdered, just walking home. Mm -mm. No. And the police, when she went missing, she went missing. Her name was uh, Sarah Everard. She was probably like 32, I want to say, walking mm -hmm. home from work. She went missing. And when she went missing, the police said she shouldn't have been walking out by herself at night. Oh boy. So it's it's like this this still What exists. do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, it's like how am I supposed to get to work? We're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm right. going to walk versus taking public transportation, but right. you know, even then um you know, it's it's still that same thing and to oh. tie it even further back, I was watching um a Netflix documentary on the uh Yorkshire Ripper um oh, back yeah. in the yeah. yeah he was he was crazy and in the 1970s he was happening to kill as serial killers tend to uh, a lot of people who are uh, sex workers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the police viewed it as well they're sex workers yeah what are they, what no do they think is going to happen yeah. we don't have to investigate and yeah, when he he eventually killed you know someone who was a stay-at-home mom uh -huh. or who had a career the police imposed a curfew on women Oh women were not allowed to go out at night wow so it's like mm, how about we teach the men not to kill people yeah but that's just me i know this was it this was we knew this was going to be a heavy yep heavy yep, episode yep. um yep. 
Can we talk so, about baking? Yeah, that's what that's why I'm like, we get to pick something, something else, because otherwise yep. it's just gonna be a real diner. We're gonna talk about baking. Yeah, baking. Yeah. Um, Lynn and I love baking shows. I'd be I think we'd be hard pressed to figure out which one of us likes baking shows more. It's true, but here's the difference. You will actually bake. I do. I do bake. I just yeah. watch shows about baking. Yeah, I do both. <laughs> I watch shows about baking and then I think, man, I want a cookie. And then I bake cookies. And that's and then how I'm, it is. Yeah. yeah. Then I'm like, hmm, I really want a cookie. And I'm like, hmm, can I get my sister to make me some cookies? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to do um, a twofer of baking shows here to round out the big three. Um, and we're going to do like baking shows sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. These are both recent shows that have just came out. Um, one of them is a show that's been around for a while, which is nailed it. And, um, probably the most perfect baking show of all time. (laughs) And, um, they came out with a season five and season five of nailed it is fantastic because it's the first season that has teams. Uh, and then we're going to counterpoint this against HBO's attempt at doing a baking show, which is called Baketopia, which is, uh, it's something. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a thing. It's, it's baking with the, yeah. for the YouTube set. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know that they actually succeed at that. Right. That's yeah. the, that's the. Okay. So let's, let's, let's go with Nailed It first. Um, uh, season five, Nailed It. What do you love about? I mean, oh man, I love. There's so much I love yeah. about the show. Um, Nicole Byer. Oh, she's great. She, I would. I actually listened to her podcast. Shout out! It's called "Why Won't You Date Me." Um, if she's listening, she's not listening. Right? She's not <laughs> listening, but I'm imagining she is. She is so funny, and. I'm going to do my best Nicole Byer impression. I love how she harasses Wes, 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 <laughs> poor Wes. Yeah. You know, she's just constantly like, Wes. Uh, <laughs> and then you get her, because uh, she's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Very, very funny. You get her counterpart is Jacques Torres. And oh, and he's such a nice guy. He's I mean, just so genuinely sweet to he these is. guys. He, like eating, like he's like a French pastry chef, and he's like eating these horribly raw cakes and just being so nice. He is so nice when he does it. Like they're not mean. It could really no. turn into a different show if there was. There's not anyone mean. I mean, I think they, they always have a third judge who's a guest it's normally someone who's you know a friend of nicole or a comedian um they had some people last season who were also on netflix shows we we were always saying that they just went down the hall to some stage and were like what's filming here come be on nail it right (laughs) come come hang out with us yeah um and then i was talking to my sister about it because um her and my brother-in-law are big baking show fans as well and my sister said she loves it when nicole says oh boy and then she'll yeah yeah, i just say oh wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a fantastic show and i think i think i want to say a couple things about nailed it one it's the only show that i feel like 
America has done and then the world has copied because <laughs> there are like there's like nailed it Mexico there's nailed it Germany <laughs> there's right. like all these different iterations of nailed it usually we're doing that like usually we're like let's see what's going on in England right now what can we copy you know what I mean and this is like the first time that I can re- remember where we've created a show and it went sort of around the world and everybody else wanted to copy us for once um, and I thought that was really funny. I've watched a few of the, like, I watched a couple episodes of um, Nailed at Germany, and I watched oh. one of Mexico just to see. And they're not quite the same. You know, it really, it's really our hosts that really make this show, you know what I mean, that, right. what it is. And, and so, you know, you definitely want to give extra props to Nicole and Jacques because they're just so cute together, and it's just so funny. And I love how Nicole wears slippers to, like, yeah. <laughs> She doesn't even wear shoes anymore. She's, she's just, just given. She's just given up. And I mean, I think I think we forgot to mention the premise of the show, which is basically oh, you gotta know by now. I right? know they know. Just in case people don't know, it's people who can't bake or think that they can bake have to recreate all of the amazing cakes and cookies and cupcakes that you you see on Pinterest. Yes. So they'll basically make like um these cool little cupcakes and then say, okay, now you make one and it would normally take you four hours to do this, but we're going to give you 72 minutes, you know, like <laughs> something like that. And, and so they're basically just running around like crazy for an hour or an hour and a half trying to put together some dessert. There's literally no time to do anything. No. It's just how well can you cobble something together? Uh, is it raw or not? Um, did all of your decorations involve Twizzlers in some way, shape or form? Um, and you know, and then Nicole and, and Jacques will taste it and they'll say something nice like, well, you made a cupcake. Yeah, it exactly. tastes like vanilla, <laughs> you know, I thought it was good. <laughs> and, and then, uh, and then they give somebody 10 grand, which just blows my mind. <laughs> it is true, but I love how they, they shoot it out of a money gun. So yes. they're not going to like, you know, give you something like that's their thing. They have the, the guest judge shoot it out of a money gun. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's so funny because I, like, I wrote down when all of the cakes look like abominations, the judges, which will turn to taste. Yeah. Like, so, but normally they're all a mess they're normally all of them are a mess and even Jacques is so nice because he won't be like oh these are horrible he'll be like looks like we're gonna have three things that look like cakes yep (laughs) uh uh oh bear is here okay Uh um so the other thing that I want to say about season five of nailed it is um this is the first time that they've done teams. Yes. And I personally think that they should just do teams forever now because the team thing I thought was just amazing for this. I don't know why they haven't done it sooner. And now that they've done it, I just don't want them to ever go back to solo. I love the teams. And there was always some sort of theme, whether it was like best friends or um, parent child or, I mean, but you know, I think anyone who's watched the season can agree that the best one was with Salmonella and Laguna Blue. Yup. Oh my um, God. And even, I was so proud of them that they won while dressed entirely in like yes. stage drag. I mean, they looked 
fabulous. Their wigs were unbelievable. And they won that episode. Even they even like had their nails on. And it's like they were that dedicated. It's like if I was going on that show, I would not. My nails would have no polish on them. Yep. I I was proud of them, though, because I made a certain special point to look at their feet and see if they were in heels and they had tennis shoes on. Yes. And I was like, good job, ladies, with the tennis shoes. You know, like you don't want to hurt yourself on Nailed It, right? With with heels. We have seen people in seasons past sort of wipe out. Yes. It's slippery. That floor looks slippery to begin with. And then you start throwing all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ingredients. I mean, I did put like Laguna saying like a little song about fondant and chocolate. Yep. like off the off the cuff and that was yep. that was amazing um and the other one I liked was um I don't know if you noticed this but this was I felt like it was the first season where they were using their uh oh, what are they called when they get the um they're they're able to stop the other team oh, yeah, from the doing little, things like buttons yeah the, the buttons they use them strategically this time around to make sure they yeah. couldn't get cakes out of the oven when they needed yeah, yeah. to you know, it was very, very strategic. Normally, it's just like they hit it or they forget about it. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Like, they would hit the button uh, when when somebody around them would say, go get the cakes out of the oven. And then they would hit it. Yes. So the cakes would burn. And I was like, "Woo, that's mean. <laughs> and it was, I like the, um, I also like the sibling episodes with the twins where. Were those the actresses? No, they were, um. They were the twins and they, they um, they, Nicole thought they were hustlers because they did so horrible in the first round. Oh, and then and, they won the second round. Yeah, they came back like really strong in the second round and Nicole was sitting there. She's like, I think they hustled everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Because they got the button. They got the button for the you need the most help button. And then yes. they were the ones who used it strategically in the second round. And, and like yeah. <laughs> the thing that I loved was... um. The actor uh, Little Rel Howery was one of the guest judges, and he had some of the best lines. He wrote like, "I took two scoops. I'm not dead." <laughs> yeah. And then he's and then he's like, "It's not the worst thing I've ever eaten." Like yeah. these are this. I I don't remember his name, but there was a rapper on I think on the very last episode yes, who colored I, Jacques' hair rainbow, and I was cracking up on that too. <laughs> it was, and I also cracked up. Um, his name. He was on like a uh, Mad TV. I think his mm. name is Bobby Yang. And he wrote, no, Bobby Lee, I'm sorry. He wrote that the cake, it tasted like chlorine, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah those extracts will get you, man. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's such a fun show. It's usually about 30 minutes. 30 minutes long. And it's just one of those things where every time they come out with a new season, I am so freaking excited. And then I blow through it in two days and then I'm so yes. sad. Then you get so sad yep. about it because it's like, oh, there's only six episodes. Yeah. It's just one of those shows where I think that they should do 26 episodes a year. You know, like, come on, Nicole, you got this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how, what can the production value of this really be? Right. Exactly. I mean, maybe Netflix is sort of like, we're not paying $10,000 for per episode you're, you're, you're for that many episodes. You only get six. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that show is great. And I just love that it sort of takes the baking competition, I guess, uh, genre and sort of tips it on its head and just says, whatever, we're going to do whatever we want. We're going to be real sweet and kind about it. We're going to, you know, 
we're going to sort of make fun of people, but it's very light and airy and not, not mean, not malicious. You know right. what I mean? And then it's they fun. just have you a know, lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's always smiling. Like people aren't taking it seriously. This is yep. not a show for serious bakers. This is a show for people who like to, you know, do stuff on the weekend right. and, you know, attempt to, to make a cake. It comes out horrible, but it tastes great. <laughs> like yep. that's, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's the fun part. It's, it's regular people who are just trying their best and they know what they're getting into. And, uh, you know, I also said not that I wouldn't mind $10,000, but I want that golden baking hat. Ooh, I know. So, I would go on that show with you. We could do it. I, I think we could do it. You yeah, know, we could do it. My sister said it would have been really funny if me and my mom were on the show. Like oh, normally no, that mo- would have been th- yeah, that would have ended in murder. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, normally like. I've already been told if we ever try out for a family feud, I'm not allowed to be on the panel because I'm going to be like, that was a dumb answer. Why did you say like, I'm not going to be that person. But my sister said it would have been entertaining to be like, what are you doing? Why are you measuring that? Shut up. I know what I'm doing. But if it were you and me, it would have been totally different. Yeah, it would have been fine. It would have been like, okay, do that. Do that. Okay, you do that. Yeah. 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 I just would have, I would have had you make all the buttercream. You would have been fine. Which is frosting. I did not know. This is how you dumb I am. Frost- oh, that's no. Okay. <laughs> oh, too funny. Oh, man. Now, as a counterpoint, she nailed it. <laughs> HBO, who has all the money in the world, yes. and they obviously put all of it into the set of Fake-topia, um, which has one of the most interesting, maybe beautiful, colorful sets of all time. But the show itself is kind of a mess. So mm. let me let me let me paint this picture for you. So they have a very first of all, it's a very traditional format. Three judges, three guests, two rounds. The first round you win a thousand dollars, the second round you win ten thousand dollars. First round has no effect on the second round, they're judged separately. The the actual like rules are really there's not a lot of like gimmick here. Do you know what I mean? It's right. It's just, oh, this 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 week it's fried foods. And so make me a fried dessert, you know, and then the next week it's something frozen. And you know what I mean? So there's very little like gimmick that goes on here. It's make me a fried dessert and then make me a cake that has something frozen. Do you know what I mean? It's it, there's not a lot of creativity involved in the actual rules of this show. So it's a little bit on the boring side. I'm not going to lie. It's it, as baking shows go. It's a little bit dull. But, it doesn't have the personality. Right. But here's where I think they kind of really flop. There's like two things that just don't seem to work well. One is um, I feel like they set it up to be the baking show for the YouTube generation because they've got this woman on there. I want to say her name is Rosanna Pansino. You got it. <laughs> All but right. they call it they call her Roe. They call on her the Roe. Yeah. And she's a YouTube personality, right? And she's a baker on YouTube. She makes a lot of money on YouTube as far as I can tell, she's very successful. So they got her and like some people that she knows, I guess, on this show to judge. Mm-hmm. And it's a very like youthful YouTube I'm saying I'm going to go with pre-millennial kind of vibe to it. It's very like techno music playing all the mm-hmm. time, weird sound effects, air horns, in your face YouTube style. But then the contestants that come on obviously don't know any of this. Right. Don't understand that this is the vibe of the show and thus you get like grandma who comes on and makes a cake. You know what I mean? 
And so there's a real disconnect, I think, between the vibe that the show wants and the contestants and how they act. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then the other thing that really bugs me about this show, and you can say this about a lot of baking shows, and and it bugs me in every baking show where they do it, is that the judges feel like it is their goal in life to find something wrong with your thing. Mm-hmm. And I I I'm I will say that even when we come to like the gold standard, which is the Great British Bake Off, um, yes. even Paul Hollywood can be too mean for me sometimes, you know. And I know that that's his shtick or whatever you want to call right. it. Um, but even sometimes I'm like, okay, just stop, you know, like don't be a jerk, you know what I mean? And on Baketopia, you've got Ro, who I will say is very sweet. She comes yes. across as very nice to the contestants. She doesn't really say anything bad about anyone's stuff. But then the two judges that she have with her, they feel like it's their goal in life to say something bad. And literally one of the judges for every contestant will say, the only thing wrong is, bl- the only thing wrong right. is, you know, and it's like, then don't worry about it. If the only thing wrong is the color of pink is too pink for you, then just shut your mouth. You know and what I mean? mean like, and the other thing that I found with it, I did watch a few episodes because this is a, it's a 12 episode show versus a six episode on Nailed It. There's a lot of these. Yeah. And like Jacques, He's established in the industry. Like, he's a real person. You can look him up. You see that he has shops. These other two people are way too young to have established anything in life. That's just, that's me. Yeah, I mean, I know the one of the guys is a cake artist and the other guy is like a a chef and a cookbook writer. But I, I think the idea here is like, they're, like I said, I think that they've done that on purpose. They've picked these younger people. They're very youtube centric. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. very, it's very youthful and, and it's got a certain personality to it. And then you get the people who come in and actually bake and the contestants are really good. Yeah. They these, produce, these are not amateurs. These no, are, they produce stuff. That's like, I, the one thing I will say about this show is I want to eat everything mm-hmm. on this show it looks so good and then they go and they try the food and then these guys are like well it's dry and yeah. you know and I'm like oh my god are you kidding me I would give like my left arm to eat that cake right now like <laughs> exactly it's like what are you doing with that after the show I, know. I will eat that Just stop being mean for a second I mean I, I I did like I said I didn't watch as many I wanted to get a feeling for it I mean it's okay. Yeah, the and one, I think that's it. It's just okay. And I didn't like, and it's probably because I did watch episodes like back to back to back. At the beginning of each show, they just showed the same pictures over and over again from the two other judges. It's like, he is a cake artist. and he Oh, yeah, show cake. me something new. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, so he's done three things. They have to have some, I mean, that was just me. It's, I'm not sure if it was meant. The I don't, intro is really long, too. Like, this is. show does not need 20 minutes of intro. Like, you, know, you do not need that long of an intro. Like, when the little button pops up to skip intro, I'm, like, slamming yeah, it you, on the Roku yeah. remote. Like, please skip this thing. And I don't know enough about it, like, did these all uh, did the episodes all come out at the same time? Was it released one by one? I don't. So it's weird because my interpretation is that they all came out at the same time. But every episode and this is the first season of this show. Right. 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 But every episode, they make it sound like they've been on TV forever because yeah. they'll say things like, 
well, this is the strangest way we've ever seen uh, dry ice used in the Baketopia kitchen. And I'm like, what do you mean this is the stra- the strangest way since when? Since You've yesterday? Been- <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. They they talk about their show like they've like they've got SVU numbers here, but they've literally been on since last month, you know? Yeah, and like we said, there is only one premier baking show. And that is the Great British Bake Off. Yeah. Or Great British Baking Show, depending on where you are. Because I've seen it referred to as as both. Oh, are they Americanizing it for us? Yeah, they Americanized it. Because I guess, like, I forget. Oh. There's something that has a patent on it. Um, but it's, Are we it, back to that copyright yeah, thing? Yeah, we're back to all that sort of stuff. But, you know, everyone has... And this is another Netflix show that I got introduced to. Um, it's such a great show that mm-hmm. I was at my dentist. My dentist has televisions and <laughs> he has the great British baking show on while you're getting your teeth cleaned. And it's marvelous. You're sitting there and you're like, oh, is that going to have a soggy bottom? I hope not. Nope. You know what my dentist has? Dogs. What? They sit in your lap while you get your teeth cleaned. Ah, that's way cooler than the great British bake off. Oh, I know. Now I'm jealous. I, th- I thought right. that was going to be like, a, ooh, a Lynn, that's so cool. But it's like, no, I get dogs. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but that's right. like another show where they're just I like that show because they're all very polite and helpful, mm-hmm. all the yeah. contestants. Mm-hmm. And they I help mean, each other. So nice. They do. Like on an American show, because they did try to Americanize it. It was a failure. It's a it. cutthroat competition. Like yeah. no one's helping anyone. Ew. Yeah, I think there was only, I'm not sure if there was a season or if they tried to do specials with it, but the only person who came from the other show was Paul Hollywood. Oh. And that's his real name. I looked it up. Is it? That is is his birth name. Yes. (laughs) Because I was like, let me just double check. Like, it's probably his name is like Gunther Eukrickson or something. (laughs) Like, some like random horrible name. And he's like... I'm going to be Paul Hollywood. Oh, my. But, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you're looking for a baking show. My Great next British cat Bake Off, is going to be named Gunther Eurickson. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the name. And I'm, I'm sorry if Gunther's listening. <laughs> I apologize. Oh, dear. <laughs> he just he stopped the podcast and he unsubscribed. He's like, you know what? I don't need this type of abuse. <laughs> Sorry, Gunther. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. <sighs> okay. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> I don't Oh, boy. I can't do it. I can't do uh-huh. it. She's just amazing. I can do the Wes. 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 <laughs> All right. Okay, well, shall we move to uh, what we're looking forward to here? Yes, yes, let's do it. All right, I can I can get the music up so we stay on track here. <laughs> um, but um, I've got three things that we're looking forward to. Two for me, one for you. Well, I guess one's for both of us. But um, as you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be ending soon, and I am so sad. But that does mean we can look forward to Loki. Although I will tell you that I have not seen on purpose a single trailer. I don't watch any trailers for Marvel stuff ever. Um, Like for the past like 15 years. It's very difficult to talk to her about anything. She has very iron willed. She will avoid anything. And even when I said to her, did you see the Loki trailer? Nope. She said no. 
Nope. And, you know, for the sake of our listening public, she won't watch it for you either. Um, <laughs> so we we are aware I have watched the Loki trailer. We will be talking about it. We will be discussing it. Uh, but we didn't want you to think that we had overlooked it. It's just uh, we are going to respect Jamie's streak of never seeing a Marvel trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I watch them after movies sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And then every time I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't watch this. Too many spoilers. Glad I didn't watch this. <laughs> um, okay, so second, um, I, I actually had been looking forward to a few games coming out on Game Pass. One of them came out and I started playing it. Uh, I am the cloud now, Alin. I'm raining on people's Woo! weddings. I'm going to do a review next week. And then um, they have another game out there that's called Pathway that I will play after Rain on Your Parade. Alin, do you remember the Oregon Trail? Yes. How could I forget? Yes. Did you die of dysentery? Always. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Pathway kind of looks to me a little bit like an updated version of the Oregon Trail. So I'm not positive, but that was the vibe I got. So I will. I'm looking forward to playing that and seeing and seeing what goes on there. And then you have the Woman in the Window. Yeah. The uh, Netflix just uh, dropped the trailer this week. It doesn't come out till I think mid-May, May 14th around then. I could be wrong, but it's a it's an adaptation of a book that came out a few years ago, and it's about a, a woman in the window. No, I'm joking. It's about <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's it's almost it's Hitchcockian. It's a rear window vibe, except the person Ooh. is an agoraphobe, uh-huh. and she doesn't leave her apartment. And the cast for this is, is amazing. I mean, you have Amy Adams in it. Um, speaking of the Winter Soldier and mm-hmm. Falcon, we have Falcon is in it. Anthony oh. Mackie's in it. We have um, a movie coming up from him, with him too. We're going to do next week, I think. Yes. And then John Walker is also in it. Wyatt Russell <laughs> is in it. I, this is one of those things where they're like, hey, anyone want to be in a movie over yeah, here? And they walk over to Marvel. But I mean, it's got Julianne Moore in it. It's got Gary Oldman in it. I'm excited. I read the book. I like the book. My only concern, and I didn't realize this, is the movie has been finished since 2018. Oh, geez. And they've been doing reshoots, and it's been pushed back a couple of times, pandemic-related and other times because it didn't test well with audiences, which I did not know because this was the first trailer. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is finally coming out. Dun-dun-dun. So... I will watch it. I'm looking forward to it. Like I watched Operate uh, Thunder Force. I was oh looking boy. forward to that. Don't watch it. It okay. was not. It was not good. We're um, not going to cover it, right? Yeah, we're not covering it as a review. There was one really funny uh, '80s dance sequence, and that was about it. Mm. So. All right. Well. That was excellent, and um, as always, very fun. Yeah, and absolutely. Sorry, this one was a little bit heavier than usual. Yes, we, uh, we, we try to balance it out, um, you know, but... We'll, we'll make up for it next week by talking about Mortal Kombat. Yes! <laughs> Finish him. All right, well, um, thank you all for joining us today. As always, um, please like, follow, and subscribe. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcast. We are on Apple Podcast. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. We have the Twitters. We've got all the things. <laughs> We've got all of the things on the interwebs. And yep. um, one thing I did want to note, because I guess I, I misspoke, with our Facebook page, the profile picture changes every week to reflect our episodes. So this one is a promising young bear. Oh, yes, um, bear. 
that's a new bear. So that will always change. The cover page on the podcast will always remain the same of the the uh, bunny and the squirrel. Mm-hmm. So if you ever want a sneak preview, we do post a profile pic prior to that. And uh, who knows what next week will be. Maybe Sub-Zero Bear. What? Oh, man, there are going to be so many great Mortal Kombat bears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pick a good it. one, man. Yeah, no, no, no pressure. No pressure. Oh boy. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see you all again soon. Thank you very much for listening and everybody take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.